Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Well, welcome everybody to the Manuscript Academy podcast. We have a very special guest, a guest that I put out an emergency call on Facebook and Lindsay Maple volunteered to join us today after a last minute cancellation. Lindsay, we are so glad you're here. Yay, Lindsay. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We love the last minute stepping up. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, it's exciting for me. Yeah, these first page podcasts are really popular and they give all the readers, I mean, listeners at home, the opportunity to kind of just like hone their own brains and their own critique around how first pages are, are constructed and what works and what doesn't work. And I find that the more you kind of analyze first pages, the more it helps you in your own writing. So this is a great treat for everyone out there. So thank you. Yeah, I like how it feels kind of like a reading, like you get to go to a live reading, which I miss so much. Someday I'll get to go sit in the audience again and clap and snap and and everything. But until then, it's so nice to have a reading. It's so nice to have everyone learn together by example. And it's nice just to have a conversation with a lovely author. So yay, Lindsay, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? All right. Um, Thanks for having me. I started writing uh, about five years ago. I wrote a YA high fantasy that I queried very unsuccessfully. (laughs) I sent out about 65 queries, no responses. So I took a step back, analyzed um, what was working, what wasn't working, got a membership at the Manuscript Academy, which was extremely helpful. I joined some writing groups on Twitter, and I tried again with a completely different genre, different tense, everything. And I wrote this romantic comedy. And I've done pretty well so far with my querying, my querying friends on Twitter are really helping me get through it. And we all cheer each other on. And a couple of my friends are agented now. So that's very exciting to see. That's really nice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I love how, especially during a pandemic, that you just find your writing people and how once you have your writing people, the journey is so much different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It just makes it that much, that much better through the ups and the downs. Yeah. I think it's better for you and your relationships with non-writers too, because they don't really care. (laughs) No, they don't get it. They're like, hey, I got a full request. They're like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, great. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They don't jump up and down and scream for you. Oh, yeah, no, it's, and we say, I know we say it's the writers that you meet along the way, you know, and that's great to hear. And it sounds like you've been through pivots and really work doing the, you know, the work to find your own voice. So I'm excited to hear this piece. Lindsay, is there anything you can tell us about that you've learned along the way? I'm impressed that you were willing to take a moment, pause, analyze what happened, pivot. Is there anything you can share with us that you wish you'd known starting out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you have to read voraciously. That's what you're going to write in. I wrote, I read about five romantic comedies published within the last three years before I started Mm -hmm. writing my rom-com. So I could really get a sense of the beats and the structure for what was working right then. And I think that really helped me with this rom-com because it's it's done pretty well and then I read some books on how to write there was this one great book about how to 
show versus tell that really struck with me. Um, and then when you get critiques from people, don't put up walls. You have to listen. Otherwise, what's the point of having someone critique your work? So I think that was the most important things that I've done. So when you, when you talk about not putting up walls, do you, what do you do when you get critique? Like, do you mull it over? Do you immediately dive in? Uh, do you just take notes and then take everyone's notes together? What's your process? Do you eat a box of candy? Like, <laughs> cry <laughs> wine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to read what they've said whenever you're ready, whenever it's a good time for you, and then just wait to respond for a couple of days. Kind of let it mellow. Let all your, your emotional reaction go away so you can analyze it from, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to sell something. If you're writing for yourself, that's one thing, but trying to be traditionally published, you're trying to sell something. And if it's not working, you need to be very open to revising and changing something. And um, so you kind of need to strip your emotions away from it as much as you can before you delve into that, that critique response. I think that you're an editor's dream, Lindsay. <laughs> Well, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that, I think that's the attitude that you need to have in this business to get forward and, and to know that you are open and you're thinking and you're considering you seem really, um, how do I say this? You seem really secure in yourself after five years, but also really open and willing just to to go that extra mile. Yeah, my biggest thing is that I'm just I want to learn. I want to learn how to be a better writer, how to generate the types of emotional responses that I want to generate, how to properly tie everything up and put it in a nice little package for everyone to enjoy. So I think that's uh, my favorite part about the Manuscript Academy is that there's always more to learn. That's one of the interesting things I think with a lot of great writers is that they are humbled enough to know that there's always something else you can, you could learn a technique or a process idea or a revision idea. So that's terrific. Growth mindset. Growth mindset. (laughs) Lindsay, would you be willing to read your first page? Okay. Chapter one. I always had a plan. Always. The empty seat next to me was definitely not in the plan. Even worse, it was a painful reminder of the emptiness I was about to face for the entirety of my Mexican vacation weekend. Not that it was really a vacation. If it were possible to cancel, I would have. Ah, who was I kidding? I'd take any excuse to get out of work for a few extra days and trade Vancouver's incessant winter rain for some sun. I fidgeted with my unclasped seatbelt, travel anxiety. I'm usually more relaxed by the time I've boarded. I did, after all, get there an hour early and have a beer or two at the airport lounge. My anxiety was still high because of the unknown factor who would be sitting in the row with me. Knowing my luck, I'd be stuck sitting next to the chattiest person in British Columbia. If only I had the window seat. It's easy to ignore people from the window, watching the landscapes fly by. Unfortunately, I was stuck in the aisle as people stuffed their winter coats into the overhead compartments and jostled their luggage past. Now began the tradition of guessing who would be sitting next to me. An old lady approached with her ancient carpet bag, sun hat already on her head, fake pastel flowers along the brim matching her blouse. She smiled at me, and for a moment I resigned myself to having to talk about all ten of her cats for the entire five-and-a-half-hour flight ahead. She checked her printed ticket, squinted at the numbers above her head, and kept moving. Next was a young mother, traveling alone with her ambunctious little boy, who was already whining and fighting with her. As much as I love kids, I don't love being confined in a tiny space with them for hours at a time. 
sitting next to a toddler would also make my empty seat very moot and zero defense against the screams of tiny ears popping or the smell of dirty diapers. A relieved sigh escaped my lips as the mom worked her way past. I hoped whoever she sat next to would be helpful. Oh no, worst case scenario. An older guy approached, coughing into his hands and sniffling through his red runny nose. It was too early in the season for allergies. It would be just my luck to leave on vacation and return home with the flu. I had sanitizer in my bag, but there was not enough hand sanitizer in the world to help me here. Luckily, he kept moving his germs, some other unfortunate person's problem. My breath caught in my throat at the next passenger. Tall, dark, handsome, all of the cliches. His black hair shined, perfectly combed atop his head. His beard faded into his sideburns and expertly trimmed along his jawline, as if it weren't an angular enough already. Time slowed as he checked his phone and then looked up at me. His gorgeous, deep brown eyes were pools of hot, sweaty summers and mysterious backstory. The quirk of his mouth hinted at various talents, other than containing his perfectly straight teeth, their pristine whiteness, a stark contrast against the warm color of his skin. I couldn't help but smile, warmth flushing my cheeks. He said words. Hmm? He pointed past me. That's my seat. Oh, and done. Yay. Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing that. Jessica, who should jump in first? Well, I guess I'd like to know about the thought process that went into this. Like, how did you know, okay, this is the moment we're starting in. This is what I want to do on the first page. Or did it just happen organically? Well, my previous book, the most feedback that I got from agents was that it was starting in the wrong place. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start the second she meets the love interest. I think that's the best place to start. And I wanted it Mm -hmm. to be a situation that everyone can relate to. I think everyone's been on a plane alone. And they've wondered, okay, who's going to be sitting next to me? Is it going to be some creepy guy who's going to want to buy me a drink? Is it going to be some nice old lady who wants to talk about her cats? Or is it going to be a toddler who's going to kick me and want to share my Skittles that I don't plan on sharing? (laughs) Um, So I think we've all all been there. And um, I kind of always imagined if my book were to be on bookshelves, it would be in an airport. So I thought that would kind Mm. of be a fun way of doing it, you know, a lady sitting down with the book she just bought and imagining herself in the, in the place of the main character. That's cute. I can picture the illustrated cover that's, you know, got a plane on it. And <laughs> I know, and it's a perfect timing because we all want to go somewhere, anywhere right now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and also, I'm hearing really great things like I'm hearing really great predictions for rom-coms in general. Yeah, um, I am too. Yeah. I think a lot of people just want something light and happy and escapist and fun. And so, yeah, I think you're in a really good place. Hope so. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that that I was really curious about, if I was just going to dive into some critiquing, is your first paragraph I felt like was so full of weight. I was fascinated by why is the empty seat next to her? You know, it was some of the plan and then that person wasn't there. And then you kind of hint around that, but then you kind of, it almost is like you forget that you, you set up that, that tension and it didn't, you didn't thread it throughout. Was um, that a conscious choice? Yeah. So the empty seat next to her is because she was go- supposed to be going with her boyfriend. So there's an empty seat that's always going to be empty. She's in the aisle, so there's going to be an empty seat between her and this guy who is her love interest. So maybe I didn't keep the tension going enough through it. I should try and thread more tension in. Yeah, I mean, I think you're missing an opportunity because I was like, because like maybe I'm maybe I'm like rowdy here in Maine today, but I was like, (laughs) 
if I thought I was going, you know, on a trip with my boyfriend and he wasn't sitting next to me, I would probably like, like in my head, some of these internals, I would probably like grab the phone, check what he's doing, you know, like whatever it is, you know, like take off his ring, shove it in the bag. I mean, I think there's some cool opportunities that you could show, you know, that this has happened to her. And I kind of wanted a little more of that because I felt like these other things that were happening were interesting, but I actually thought that you could kind of have her be in a better place of angst, not by who's sitting next to her, but more so like, you know, maybe she's wiping away a tear. Maybe she's, maybe she's feeling that frustration. And then I think you could, you could like fold it into some of these other things that are happening and actually keep, you know, keep that tension a little heightened. What do you think, Jessica? Completely agree. So when I heard that bit about the empty chair, I immediately thought of Rom-Com Pod. I don't know if you've listened to it, but it's a wonderfully produced podcast in, you know, they break the story down into a series. And the first season is a woman who loses her fiance and goes on the honeymoon anyway. And so that was where my head went right away. But I agree that you could pretty easily weave this in. Like, you know, the guy who's coughing, she could be like, oh, this guy always coughed too. And I hated that about him. Well, guess I'm never going to have to deal with that again. You know, (laughs) so I think there are ways that you could weave that in. Are we right though about what's happening? So her boyfriend cheated on her. Well, she found out he had been cheating two weeks prior to the event. She's going to her best friend's wedding in Mexico. So now she has to be all by herself. She has the empty seat. She booked the really fancy room with the jacuzzi tub and she's going to be all alone. And um, so that's kind of where her thoughts are. But I can definitely see how um, she might be feeling a little bit more agitated than what I've let on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that can help set it apart too. I guess theoretically, a lot of stories could start on a plane and thinking about this, Mm -hmm. but I think that having her flash forward and back a little bit might help make it so it's like, okay, I really get who this character is. So it could be something like she's, you know, tense because all of this is happening. And then she could think, well, at least I get a jacuzzi, but then a moment later, oh, but it's a jacuzzi for one. Or, you know, I, she could think about like, maybe someone knocks her overhead bin out and her dress is in there. And then she's like, oh gosh, like, is this a good dress for somebody who's newly single? Does she have to tell everybody she's newly single? Are we allowed to talk about songs? <laughs> like it falls out of her bag. Yeah, uh, I guess that like, would happen yeah, like in a rom-com. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I guess the logic of a rom-com that could happen, but I don't think that happens to real luggage very often. <laughs> you know, I, I'm always trying to dump my bag out and have embarrassing things like flying up the aisle. So it's like, maybe that's my own personal. No, you know, I mean, last later. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, good. But I think that's... But I think that shows, I think all those things that you can use to show, like you can use the details to tell the story of the breakup and you have the opportunity, like you're using the details of the plane, but I think you have an opportunity to to use details of this character in her space. And, you know, it, you know, it could be as like delete, like blocking his phone number, you know, and then shoving the phone in the bag and then seeing something in the bag and then whatever. And I, I think that, Lindsay, I always say I'm a screenwriting teacher. So I'm always big on how like a visual detail can t- give us the comprehension of what's going on without saying it. Um, well, maybe, maybe he bought the luggage and there's something about the luggage that she hates 
now and that, you know, she's always kind of been annoyed about with him. It's just something like that, like little details of like, he always liked something. He always didn't like something. He always did something. I, I think that could be a way to like show us more about his character quickly. And then it, it just could be a way to, yeah, to make it so he feels like a real character, even if he's not on the page. She feels like a real character because, you know, she's going to have feelings about that. And also, do her friends know yet? Yeah, her friends know what went down. And yeah, so her friends are aware and she is very nervous about being there all by herself and being the only single lady. And what ends up happening is she swaps her luggage with the sexy guy who just sat next to her and he ends up seeing her vibrator in the bag oh. and just like hastily <laughs> thrown on top. So they end up getting to know each other pretty quickly in Mexico. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> Julie, you were uh, close. I know. Yeah, you I had it pretty gosh. close there. Yeah, wow. good guess. Um, so Jessica, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Specifically as an agent. So when Lindsay writes, ah, who was I kidding? I take any excuse to get out of work for a few extra days and trade Vancouver's incessant winter rain for some mm-hmm. sun. I think that is telling right there. And I think that you could easily have the rain pounding against the window and the plane um, captain saying that they're going to leave Vancouver at a 46 degrees. Like, do you think that that is like a lob that she could turn to scene or do you think it's fine? It didn't leap out at me, but I agree you could do it in a slightly more subtle way. Like maybe she's taking off a raincoat and she's like accidentally dripping on the entire row or something because she got caught in a rainstorm. Yeah, something like I that. Feel, yeah, I feel like sometimes when you do that, Lindsay, for me, it, it like I, I'm feeling the need to cross out those type of things because I feel like it cuts down on your tension a little bit as well because it's almost like I'm in scene and then I'm like in your head or in not your head, the character's head. So like now, now begin the tradition of guessing who was sitting next to me. So that feels a little passive. I'm just being picky. <laughs> <laughs> Be as picky as you can, please. But, I, I want to make me, it better. Like if this was, if I was writing this, I would probably be like, don't sit next to me. I hissed under my breath or I, you know, into my, my bag or something like that. Because I think this is such a hysteric. My, my last trip was literally like this, where I was in the back of the plane and this huge man, like this huge man. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Um, and he was a, an NFL football player and he sits down and we had a, like, I was a chatty Kathy. We're like, blah, 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 blah. But you know, it was so funny because I definitely was like, how is that guy going to fit in this seat? Like I, you know, I was looking at the seat. So like, it's funny. You can do that in your head, but you do it a lot here. So like, how can you just use it totally sparingly? Like that's a choice I would make as a writer here, but like styles are style. It could be a stylistic thing. I, I, Agree. There, there is a lot of that. I mean, it's strange to say, but I almost feel like this first page is too relatable. I almost want something that mm. is something that fewer people have gone through on the page. So if mm. I had my druthers, you would dial up her angst and her feelings about her ex. And you don't necessarily have to say what went down exactly, but we just know that like they've broken up. She's not feeling good about it. And it was his fault. Maybe I think that's probably the most we would need to know. But also like, I'd like to have a sense of the humor too. Like I almost Mm -hmm. want you to, you know how you can go into Photoshop and like make all the colors really bright. Mm -hmm. Like if you were able to do that to the emotional shades of this page and make those a little brighter, I think it would feel more like an escape and less like something that could happen to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Um, 
So the thing about so that line, ah, who was I kidding? I added that because I had a complaint that there wasn't enough voice in oh. my opening pages. So hmm. I thought, okay, I have to get into, you know, some sort of inner monologue. But I also really struggle with the the concept of voice. Mm. I think it's most people really do. challenging to teach someone that. So yeah, I well, put that in thinking it was. I didn't realize it was going to be more told rather than shown. I thought it was more of a way to have her voice on the page. I think by voice, they don't necessarily mean the character's voice. You know, if the narrator is noticing things in a particular way, like just going back to the luggage idea, if she just as an example, don't think you should do this, but if she's like, oh, that luggage is terrible. It's so shiny. It's been scratched. I hate that luggage. It doesn't roll. Like, you know, that to me is voice because it's a very specific perspective. So even if it's just not necessarily her voice, but describing things from a specific perspective or in a snappy way or in a funny way or, you know, just even how your sentences are constructed, the rhythm of the sentences can be a voice too, even if it isn't her, but it's your narration. Yeah. Okay. Actually, let, let me read it. Let, let me read, because I do think you have a voice, a good voice. I always had a plan, always. The empty seat next to me was definitely not in the plan, right? Even worse was a painful reminder of the emptiness I was about to face. So, so like, even worse was a painful reminder of the emptiness I was about to face, so you pulling us down to that, you absolutely like it's like that to me is voicey. And then I think what Jessica is saying is like moving directly into scene where I do think that you construct your sentences really nicely. So that, that's something that's interesting <laughs> because that is a sentence that I added after having my story critiqued. So that was in mm-hmm. response to a critique. And that's one of those things with critiquing. Do you trust yourself and your voice and the way you're writing, or do you try and alter it to your critique partner? And when you're unpublished and your critique partners are unpublished, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind to an extent. Yeah. I mean, but I think like this time slowed as he checked his phone and looked up at me, his gorgeous deep brown eyes were pools of hot, sweaty summers and mysterious backstory. I love that line. I like that too. I like that too. Sweaty summers and mysterious backstory. The quirk of his mouth hinted at various talents other than containing his perfectly straight teeth, the pristine whiteness is stark contrast against the warm color of his skin. I couldn't help but smile, warmth flushed in my cheeks. But then I, like, I'm hoping that he immediately makes her angry. <laughs> you know, like you see something that's really something good and you're like, and then you're like, Ugh. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of a better way to describe this, but I think a lot of what works in a rom-com is laying out a pattern of emotions that constantly change. So Mm -hmm. if we are mostly as a reader, so we're starting out and, you know, we're stressed because we understand always having a plan and that not working out and that there was some sort of breakup. So you'll establish that a little more. Then we're going to, oh, he's cute. This is exciting. This is great. And then as Julie said, we'd probably have to twist that again. So I think so much of this is about how we feel And I think the most common advice I give to rom-com writers is you're spending so much time in your head, you need to spend a little more time in your senses. And so that can be, like we were mentioning before, like if the suitcase was bought by the boyfriend, if there's rain on the window, I think just a little bit more like that so that it feels like 
it's really a three-dimensional world. And I actually do think that often those visual details make it feel like the voice is more vivid too. I'm not really sure why, but that does seem to be true. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you just have like, I think this page is full of opportunities. Like I'm seeing this is like, like what Jessica said about some of those details, but like you could have, you know, like someone mentioned something about the suitcase or the suitcase tag, and it could have that guy's name and you could yank it off and give it to them. So you could actually have a little dialogue here, you know, that's getting us a sense of who this character is and how she talks aloud versus this internal. You can still have some of the internal, of course. But, and you can also have like how, how, give us a sense of how, what she's like sitting in that seat. Like, is her hair messed up? Is it over her eyes? You know, did she forget to take a shower? Was she distraught when she left? I mean, there's all kinds of kind of funny things that you could do here so that when he meets her, she's not even attracted because she is like, you know, crying. She drank beers and then she got emotional. <laughs> she's got mascara and he's like, oh, you know. <laughs> I like that actually. If she looks a wreck yeah. when she meets him. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's so much you could do here. And so it's almost like this is a draft with like little tiny little bombs that you can pack in all kinds of different ways. But I think you, I think the bones are here. And that's what's so interesting about drafting is sometimes like you have to draft and draft and draft until you get, so you're like, oh, I think the pacing's working on this. I like, I feel that tension and I would encourage you once again, I know I'm obnoxious about this. I'm a screenwriting teacher, but I force students to read first pages over and over and over cold. And I force them to figure out exactly who the character is that we're going to go on the journey with and what they want and what gets in the way. And I'm not positive at all that I know who this character is. Mm -hmm. I know who the people around her is on the plane, but they're not going to be the, the, you know, the story. So what about this character? Do we even know her name? Not yet. No. What if instead of the three people who walk past, it's a couple and they are PDA, like being really obnoxious about how in love they are. And then you can get yeah. into her own, yeah. like disgust Absolutely. and upsetness about her own recent breakup. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even and something, maybe even something like she wanted PDA and he didn't, or like tie it back to like a conflict there, perhaps yeah. so we can learn a little bit yeah. more. Like so and so never let me kiss him in public. Something yep. like right. that. And, you know, sometimes it's really interesting, too, if, if they're all going down for a wedding, there's someone else in the wedding party on this plane. And she sees them come down, and they're going to be characters used later on. And she's getting lower and lower in the chair. And they stop, and they're like, well, where's Charlie? And she's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know what? But think, but think about, about characters you have in the book that could be opportunities for this first page. I mean, Bridesmaids, one of my, I mean, obviously, it's such a great comedic scene in the plane, right? I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just Mm -hmm. so spot on, you know, one's in the back, one's in the front, or you could have her walking past first class to like some bad seat. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So choices. Do you have any questions for us? I think we just filled you with a lot of ideas. I I want to say first though, I mean, Lindsay, you've got so much 
you've got so much going for you here. Like the sentences are strong. It's so clear what's happening. You, yeah. I know we're being very critical, but to me, this is all stuff that we basically want you to add as if it's like, you know, you've got a cake and it's got the crumb coat on it. And now it's time to like put the flowers on top. So, or, or whatever. I, mean, I would totally to keep there. reading this just to be clear. Like I, I, I would keep reading, like it's fun. It's light. Like, yeah, what happens? I want to go to Mexico, you know? So absolutely. I think just... We're trying to get you to show more about what this makes it very different. And so it's almost like a microcosm of the emotional layers of the book in one page. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a way to make it so that like as readers, we can intuitively kind of guess what's going to happen. And I think, you know, as Julie was saying, going over first pages, I often recommend that people get a bunch of their favorite works. And then, you know, you could take different color highlighters, like, okay, here is some sensory information. Here is dialogue. Here is a flashback. So then you can kind of break it into its components and see what those ratios are when they work for you. And then you could kind of see, okay, well, I could have more flashback. I could have more flash forward. I could have more visual description, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But definitely is super helpful just hearing what works and what doesn't work from a professional. And I, I really like how some of the stuff that I've had in there since the very beginning, from the very first time I wrote, this is some of your favorite stuff. So that makes me happy. Also, I, I wanted to mention, like, if this was a middle page, it would be completely fine. I think it's yes. just that it's on the first page, there's kind of a to-do list of what you need to establish. And so that's why we're being so hard on it. But like as a middle page, it's got everything it would need. It's just a matter of like, how do we make it so that we like really dial up those elements? So a busy agent who's probably under caffeinated and has a whole bunch of these immediately is like, oh, this is different. I think that's what you're going for. The, oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I have a pretty clear idea of what I would need to change to get it there. Lindsay, do you have any final questions for us? Uh, No, I just really wanted to thank you for your time. That was super helpful for me. Thank you so much for doing this last minute. Yeah, thank you so much. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.